Well, praise the Lord, church. My church. What pastor left out, and I say my church is in, I, I feel at home. I always have. From day one, I felt at home in this building. I felt at home with people and friends, and there was no place like this and nobody like the show Strands. Amen. Amen. And uh, apparently today I have to preach with both of them here. No pressure, right? <laughs> if I mess anything up, Pastor will come and clear it up afterwards. Um, you know, I think what Pastor left out was uh, probably many, many years of, uh, of the story. And we saw the beginning, the end, and there's a lot of middle there that he left out for good reason. Because... There's been sometimes hard conversations, difficult conversations to have, um, and, 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 but through it all, just feeling the love, the love of Christ, and, and every time seeing the example that's been set is, it's a Christ-like example. And I remember many times I sit back there in the sound room and our leaders, when they get up here and I think, you know, you, how am I ever going to do that? And it, you know what, I'm already not going to be as good as that, so I'm just going to really set my sight even farther, and let's just be like Christ. And I realize that's, that's the direction that we get pointed to every Sunday, every service throughout the week is just this Christ-likeness. Um, but in that process, the, process, the part that he left out is the season of becoming Christ-like. Those, those moments, I call them the moments of drought. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're, I'm on the fourth section. There were four sections to a book that we read called This Day We Fight. And here we are in the middle of 40 days of fire. And uh, I will be honest, I was one of the ones last year when we wanted to do the 20 more days, I was definitely needing the 20 more days because I don't know that I... Just being honest, I don't know if I was being taking the 40 days as seriously as I should have. So my conviction with the beginning of this 40 days of fire, Pastor, was so that I wouldn't feel like I needed to do another 20 days after this. So now if we do another 20 days, I'm all in. Let's, let's do this. But 40 days of fire. And so when we read two weeks ago, we read in 1 Kings 18. That was one of our reading and uh, there's some things that stuck out to me about the story of Elijah and when the fire comes down. Because we all want to see the fire come down. But am I willing to prepare the sacrifice? And when I read this verse, it, I, it, it, I looked at it from a different perspective. So we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 21, I'll be reading in the King James. Go. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Now, think about that moment. So here he is saying, this is like that Joshua moment. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Right? This is the pinnacle of it. Is how long are you going to waver between two opinions? You either serve God or serve Baal. And oh, the sounds of silence. 
You could, you could, there's, I mean, imagine, give me something, right? Give me, give, give me a nod. Give it, let me know you're in, but nothing. So the people's mindset is in a place, and if you go back to the other chapter, you hear about King Ahab taking over, and he marries Jezebel, and his heart's getting turned away from God. And the story starts focusing on Elijah, and, and God has a way of drawing his people constantly back to him. Because we have these wayward hearts, we, we constantly we find ourselves in need of drawing back. And so in the story where Elijah, first he prophesies, he says there's not going to be any rain or dew except at my word, and then immediately goes into hiding. And Ahab is looking for him everywhere. He can't find him. Elijah goes to a cave. And there's ravens that provide for him. They bring him food. There's a brook there that he's, that he's able to drink with or drink out of the brook. And so he's covered. There's drought across the land, but Elijah's covered. He's hiding because of what he just did. They're looking for him because it's at his word that the drought's going to stop. Next along, all of a sudden, so now Elijah's brook comes up. So Elijah's seen some stuff. Elijah's seen God move. He's seen the ravens. They brought him food every night. What a, what a, quote, coincidence. You know, these ravens come and they're bringing me food and I've got a brook. But now my brook's dried up. So now I have to go out. And so he goes out and he finds the woman with the, the, the pot of flour and oil. And he says, you know, make me. Her statement shows where the people are at. I've got just enough for me and mine. We're going to eat it and die. That's the state that they're in right now. There's no hope. There's no salvation coming. This is it. The drought's gone on for so long. And so Elijah does the miracle with that. And even then, or, and, and just if you're not familiar with the story, Elijah tells her, says, well, you make for me and you're going to have enough. And sure enough, she makes for Elijah and they have enough. And the, the flower pot never runs empty and the oil is always full. And then her son dies. So Elijah prays and he comes back to life. And so there's these ma many, many miracles. Elijah ends up finding one of his friends, Obadiah, and who has a hundred prophets hid, and there's a whole conversation there. And finally, Elijah says, he says, I want to talk to Ahab. He says, you tell Ahab, he said, bring all of his prophets of Baal, and I'm going to meet him on Mount Carmel. And this is where that pinnacle happens, where he, he makes this statement, and, he, and he's telling everybody, listen, choose this day. Now, they haven't seen a thing yet. They're there. They're gathered. And Elijah says, Choose this day. So the, the, the thing about drought that's happening is the dryness, the emptiness, the, 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 the long-going drought. We hear about the drought in California and the fires. And, and it, we, we know if we could just hold off long enough for fall, you know, long enough for the, for the wet season, we'll be all right. But they don't get this relief. They don't get a relief. It's a constant dry, a constant drought. They're separated from God. They've got a king because as the leadership in Israel goes, so goes the people. And you see this over and over again with Israel. And if, if, if anything you see in the Bible, anybody who says the Bible is not relevant clearly hasn't been reading it. 
Because there's something about all the people and all the stories where you begin to see humanity and you begin to see yourself. And I put myself there watching this moment because, see, they don't know they're getting ready to see fire fall from heaven. And I don't know exactly, I don't know what God has instructed Elijah at this point. I don't know exactly what he's told him. Has he told him the plan or is Elijah just going off faith? But this has been going on for three years. And there's a heaviness. There's a discontentment. The Bible talks about a spirit of heaviness, a depression, a loneliness, an isolation, a frustration. And the thing about fighting, it's easy to fight when you've got a clear leader, a clear purpose. But there's times in a drought when you're so frustrated and you're so isolated that the fighting spirit just begins to go. And apathy sets in. And, and, and when you're alone and you're apathetic, you wonder, why do I feel this way? Why am I the one who feels alone and isolated? And I feel the spirit of the hour that God, that as God is moving is, as I talk to more and more of my friends, the isolation that's crept upon us and the individuals in the church, the overwhelming sense of what's going on in our time and our world with virus and, and, and with daily life, it can almost feel so overwhelming. How, what, how am I going to fight this? What am I going to do? How am I going to make a difference in any of this? I'll wear my mask. Sure, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll follow the protocol. I'll come to church. I'll do my thing. But really, in my spirit, it's so dry. It's so lost. I'm just, I, I'm not there. And the pastor and the preacher wants to move us. And, 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 and our spiritual guiders, they want to lead us and lift us up. But frankly, sometimes there's just silence because I'm not sure where I'm at. See, this is the period the pastor didn't talk about, the, the period whenever I don't know where I'm at right now. I'm so frustrated. Oh, I, I know that there's been things in the past, but this is a whole new drought. And this is a whole new season. And just like the mother said, we're going to eat our food, our last meal and die. If I got to die, at least I'm going to die with a full belly. I'm going to take what's mine. And Wait, you want, you want more from me? Imagine that. You feed me first. See, what I find is that, and I think we do a disservice sometimes, when we always think that we're going to be overcoming. And we're always going to be on the mountains and we're always going to be glorious and victorious and praise God, I've got a new car. You know, thank, thank God is good and that's great. Blessings of God are great. But what I found in my own life is I have to start learning to recognizing the moments of drought. The moments when I'm not sure how the bills are going to get paid. Because God is still good when I'm getting the car, but he's also still good and working when I can't make the car payment. Because the difference is the verb perfect versus the adjective perfect. They spelled the same, but they're not the same thing. 
The perfecting process is very different than looking perfect. The perfecting process is an ugly process. It's not pretty. It's hard. It's dry. And there's drought. There's hard conversations have to be had. There's hard prayers have to be prayed. There's things that God wants to do with us in the dry times, in the perfecting times, and maybe the reason why it's so dry is so you'll finally appreciate what it is to have rain. Maybe you'll finally appreciate what it is to not have drought because we've lived in such a season of plenty and lived under such a blessed life. But now when there's drought, do you find, and things aren't perfect, Are you waiting for God to perfect? See, Rachel didn't know this. She learned very quickly that after we got married that I was not a perfect husband. (laughs) Right? So she is in the process of perfecting her husband. And she's not here tonight. So I can say whatever I want unless she's listening at work. She sent me a text message. Don't say anything dumb. That was, my, that was my encouragement. But, but the thing about, thank you, help me. But the thing about the drought and the dry times and the perfecting times is these aren't the times and the moments that we take pictures of and want to put in photo albums. We take pictures of Christmases We take video. I've got about a half hour just from this last Christmas that we took and the tree is up and the house was clean. The kids are in their Christmas jammies and they're opening up presents and we're having this great time and we, you know, we go over to Nana's house and we all get in front of the tree and take a family picture and what we, what I don't have a lot of is I don't have the mundane moments. I don't take pictures of just the everyday. I certainly don't take pictures of messy rooms. If anything, I want to kind of move the camera at a good angle so you don't see my double chin. And I know what angle Rachel does not like her pictures to be taken at. And if I make the the horrible mistake of not standing up and taking the correct angle, I'm going to retake the picture. Because we don't take pictures of the imperfections. We don't... the next time Rachel and I are in a heated argument, which does happen, believe it or not, we're not perfect. I'm going to get out the video camera and say, babe, we got to remember this one, right? Here, get in, say cheese. Because we want to we wipe over the imperfect. We want to wipe over what doesn't look good. We want to wipe over the moments when I actually am feeling frustrated or I'm feeling apathetic or I'm feeling alone. We want to completely wipe over the imperfect moments, but those are the perfecting moments. The day-to-day and the frustration, what I find is those are the moments that I'm growing. Those are the moments when God's talking, when God's listening. Now, unfortunately, sometimes I'm I'm pretty slow to, to understand that, but I'm starting to learn more and more every time something comes up. Have you ever talked to somebody about a situation and given them like the best advice. Like, you're just like, man, where in the world did that come from? The Lord must have really just helped you. And you're thinking, man, I can't believe this, man. I can't believe they're dealing with that. Here, here's what the Lord, I, great advice. And next thing, next week, 
you're dealing with the same thing. And you're dealing with the same. And, and you want to say, I just gave like godly advice a week ago on this subject to this. And now I'm dealing with it. And now I'm wrestling with in that scripture, you know, judge not lest you be judged for a measure you meet it will be judged. I feel like that's just part of it. But you sit in judgment on, on, on a topic or a throne, next thing you know, watch out. You might get it. Sister Shostrian told me once, I, never, I don't know if you remember this, when we went to go visit Tegan in the hospital. That morning was Rachel and I's worst fight we've ever had. That morning. Reese went to school. That day was his first day of school. She's emotional. Because uh, he or her baby is going to kindergarten. And they didn't know this. And we got in an argument. Well, we made up quickly. But later, we, we went and saw Tegan. And Sister Shostrian was there. And I said, Sister Show, I said, I'm just failing every test I'm getting. And she said, don't worry, baby. You'll get it again. <laughs> and sure enough, that wasn't our last fight. So we had to go through that again. The three years of drought. I'm going to eat my last meal and die. Because when faith grows, it's always going to meet resistance. And it's a natural thing. Resistance is the key that faith is growing. Just like when my belt loop has to go up a size because the resistance is getting so tight in my belly because it's growing. The same way there's something about the tightening around faith. If you feel the resistance in your faith, if you feel the push, it's because your faith is getting ready to expand. You can feel the tightening. And oftentimes the lack of faith is the signal that now it's time to step out in faith. When the impossible moments come up, that's the cue right there that God's getting ready to move. And God's getting ready to work in you. But three years of drought has a way of wearing you out. It has a way of making you question. It has a way of making you worry. I've been dealing with this addiction for three years. I've been dealing with this problem in my marriage for three years. I've been dealing with this child for three years. I've been dealing, well, you name it. It has a way of wearing you out. And all of a sudden, somebody can ask you, what are you going to do? Silence. Maybe a year ago you would have said, we're with you, Elijah. We're with you. But now, silence. Well, maybe, you know, maybe these guys, Baal prophets, maybe, maybe there's something to it. I mean, you know. Well, we'll see what happens with the election. I mean, you know. Kind of middle of the road. Middle of the road here. Israel's middle of the road. Just let's see what happens. See, but God is more concerned about perfecting us and forming the image of Christ than he is about our comfort. I often pray at night with the kids. I pray for God's protection. But I think that God would rather me be perfect in his image than he cares about necessarily protecting me. It's the difference of protect versus perfect. Comfort, because we want comfort without conviction. And we want you to heal us. We pray for healing, but not necessarily for you to inhabit us and to conform us into your image. Hebrews 12 says, is the author and finisher of our faith. The Amplified uses the word perfecter. 
of our faith. That what he started, he's going to finish. He's not going to leave it half done. And the process of being perfected by faith is not a beautiful Bob Ross painting. And we're going to paint, paint pretty butterflies and nice mountains. And the fact that Bob Ross ever made a comeback on Netflix and, in, and is now like pop culture blows my mind. I remember watching him when I was a kid, and now he's like, he's this cultural icon. And I remember you would watch him, and you would watch him paint, and how is that going to turn? Oh, he would just turn into a beautiful thing. And I feel like the process for me is the guy who takes a bucket of paint sometimes, and just like slop, I mean, it's a messy process. I don't always see exactly what God's doing. I can't always see exactly how God's working. It's not a beautiful process. It can be dry, it can be a desert, and it can be extremely frustrating. So here we are. What are you going to do, Elijah? Silence. See, if you've ever been in that place, and I have, where the question gets asked, what are you going to do? And I can't respond right now. I'm so beaten down. I'm so tired. David said, my feet almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Almost. How many times was there an almost? And if you read through these stories in the Bible, every single person you'll find has these moments. So here we are getting ready to sacrifice. And there's something about God showing up when you're on your way to do what he told you to do. You look at Abraham. Abraham went with Isaac. Dad, where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. Abraham still had enough faith. But I guarantee you that was not a joyful climb up the mountain. You're talking about a father who hasn't read the end of Genesis yet who's thinking about the possibility and having enough faith that if he sacrificed his son, that God could, God could raise him from the dead. There's, a, there's, there's something in these moments when you do things on the way and God has to show up in the middle. And the thing is that Jesus, most of the time, will show up in the middle of the storm. If you take Peter and the disciples crossing on the boat in the middle of the night, middle of the sea, middle of a storm, see, he's in the middle of something. And the Lord's going to show up in the middle of something. And there's a Peter who's hanging on to the edge of the boat, and it's a terrifying thing. He says, is that you, or is it a ghost? Peter hasn't even read the end of that, at that chapter. He doesn't know what's going to happen. But he says, if it's you, ask me to come. Because there's something about being inside of a boat that could possibly sink in the middle of a storm, and Peter had enough gumption in himself to say, I'd rather die on my way to Jesus than die stuck in a boat. And even though Peter stumbled along the way, Peter's faith started the moment he let go of the edge of the boat. Because Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm. 
I often wondered why, why David took Goliath's head and he went up to Jerusalem and he put Goliath's head at Jerusalem. And I, I didn't know this. I didn't realize that, that um, Israel wasn't inhabiting Jerusalem at the time. And it wasn't until later that David went back and conquered Jerusalem. I never put the two together. What he was saying was almost of a warning in the faith. He's, he's kind of proclaiming like, you're next. You're next. You know, the Peter moment, I always kind of remember what it was to, I went skydiving. I was a much smaller version of myself, and you have to do a um, tandem jump. And so I, I'm strapped to this guy. He's bigger than me. We go up in this plane, and I'll never, I, I just remember the anticipation of, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to jump out of this boat, or this, yeah, boat? I'm hoping you weren't, don't go skydiving in a boat. Am I really going to jump out of this plane with this guy strapped to me? And I'm watching person after person after person. I had watched them all day when we were in the class. I watched people jump out. I saw parachutes open. I saw them come back down, roll up their parachute. There's a very specific way that they do this. And I had paid the money, and I was committed to doing this. I, I, I didn't have children. I wasn't married. You wouldn't catch. There's no way in the world I'd do this now. And... The moment that I was the hardest moment was the moment when we, he, he and I waddled together because we're kind of, you know, he's right here. And so he's right behind me as we go up to the door. That was the, the, the moment they opened that door and it was our turn to get up to it. Was the moment I, I realized I better have a lot of faith in this parachute. But my faith in the parachute wasn't tested until I actually went out the door. I believe you packed it good, man. I believe you packed the parachute right. Yep. I know you're an expert jumper. That sounds good. Nope. Sounds good. I'm going to stay in the plane. Wasn't going to cut it because I wasn't getting a refund. So I went ahead, jumped out of the plane and found out, thank God the parachute opened. But the moment you jump, that's when faith is activated. Because I can believe that the parachute was packed perfectly and still stay in the plane. Oh, I can believe, Elijah, that you can do something great. But right now, I'm going to stay in the plane for a little bit. Right now, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. I don't want to give an opinion because I'm not sure how this is going to go. And I guarantee you that's where the whole crowd was. Frustrated, exhausted. And they're looking at Elijah. And Elijah's getting ready to jump. And they're going, let's see what happens. Because there's something about when God does these things. And I always try to read the Bible almost as if I haven't read it yet or haven't read the end of the story. Because it's, e it's always easy if you know the end of the story. You, hey, no problem. Matt, Matt made it to, to the ground safely. We stumbled and fell on top of each other. I know that's going to happen. I'm going to jump out of the plane. So I try to read the Bible as if I don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of like how, how, how the Lord does things. Have you ever seen a baby and you knew exactly what they were going to look like as an adult? No. You see them in adulthood and then see their baby pictures and go, 
oh, that makes sense. Because you see the adult, and all of a sudden, in hindsight, you look back and see how they became that adult. But you can't see the baby and know that the baby is going to look like dad, going to look like mom, going to look like who knows who. And let me tell you, there's... And, and, even the fact that we do these baby, these baby photo shoots. This is a great example of we do these perfect photo shoot moments. Nobody takes pictures of, of, of changing a dirty diaper. Show me one you took of, of your child changing a dirty diaper because it's disgusting. It's not, but you know what we'll do? We'll prop these little babies up that are sleeping. We'll put them in little baskets, take pictures. My kid has never slept in a basket. He's never slept, they've never slept, no, no, just naked, just show their butt just enough so it's just cute, you know, all these perfect little poses. We got so many cute pictures that we don't even put anywhere. Oh, all these perfect little moments. And I have no idea what this child's going to look like. I'm starting to see now, but I still couldn't tell you exactly what either of the three are going to look like, or this fourth one. We did the 3D ultrasound, so we got to see what she's going to look like. She's going to look just like Jensen, apparently, because it's exactly how Jensen looked. But that's my best guess for right now, because I haven't seen her, and I certainly haven't seen her in adulthood. And it seems like every time God does something in my life, when I look back over, I go, oh, that had to be God. Amen. I, I can't see what the baby's going to look like in adulthood. But man, when I look back, and here Elijah is, and he's, he's called all the people. He can remember the ravens, and he can remember the mom, and remember the flour and the oil. But can't always necessarily see what the, what the child's going to look like. And if, what's going to happen in this moment? I'm going to hasten quickly. I've got five minutes and I'll be done. So Elijah. He goes and the prophets of Baal. They, pre they prepare two altars. One for the prophets of Baal. They cut up their sacrifice. And they lay it, and all day they're, they're cutting themselves, they're weeping, they're crying. They're, they're just exha I mean, they're exhausting themselves. And of course, you know, he's got to have, a, Elijah has to have a sense of humor because he's mocking them. You know, maybe your God's on vacation, you know, maybe. I mean, that right there is just, it shows you Elijah, where he's, I mean, where he's at. If, if I had been Elijah, Let's be honest, I wouldn't be in that situation. But if I was, if I was Elijah, I feel like I would need probably a 12-hour prayer meeting at least, right? Sure. I mean, at least I'd want to get some, probably try to fast, don't eat, just in case, make sure everything was cool, you know, the, anything that would hinder the, the move here. And on top of it, what does he do after that? So the first thing he does is he rebuilds the altar. Then he goes and gets four barrels of water and does this three-time douses the sacrifice. Now, I will tell you right then and there, that's where he definitely lost me. Even as a kid, he lost me. I never understood that. Never, never. Why in the world? Like, give yourself a fighting chance, man. You know, Shane, you and I always say to ourselves when we're eating, and eating, who Shane is successfully dieted, and I'm always unsuccessfully dieting, we always say we got to treat ourselves. Why do we treat ourselves? Because we don't hate ourselves, right? I'm like, I look at Elijah and I go, man, do you hate yourself? Like, why, why the water? 
Why so Why do the water? Let's not make it harder than it has to be, right? And because Elijah knew, just like he could have said, the ravens by chance brought me the water by chance. Oh, maybe the, the lady and her son, maybe by chance, the flower didn't run out. Maybe they miscalculated how much they had at the beginning. Maybe they miscalculated the oil. Maybe her son wasn't really dead. It's almost like, no, 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 not only are we going to mock Baal, we're going to make sure there's not a chance that if this happens, it's anybody but God. Right. And he prays this prayer because it's not about the sacrifice. This story is about the people. And he prays this prayer in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37. He says, hear me, O Lord. Simple prayer. Hear me. That this people may know that thou art the Lord and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then you skip a verse. We'll go down to verse 39. It says, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. His simple, simple prayer for the people. Because Elijah was willing to make the sacrifice. Everybody in the audience wanted to see the fire. What was the fire going to do? Consume. Burn away. Forty days of fire is the burning away of the things that we don't need. Burning away of all the flesh. Burning away of all the wasted time. Burning away of all the distractions. That's what we do and that's what the fire is going to consume. But if I want to see the fire, shouldn't I want to lay the sacrifice? The Lord brought this to my attention because... I've often prayed if I would see the fire moments. If I could see the fire moments, and the question the Lord asks us is, what's on the altar? Because the fire wasn't there just to be a fire. The fire there was to consume something. And the people saw the fire, and they knew without a shadow of a doubt it had to be the Lord as a memorial for them. And as for Elijah, this pinnacle, this moment here he is, he's done everything he knew to do, and the Lord moves. The drought's not over until he goes back by himself, and again, he prays. So, in the spirit of the hour, in the drought, and in the dry times, in all those moments when God's perfecting, and he's moving. Don't mistake the drought for punishment. Don't mistake the hard times for punishment. Those are the perfecting moments. And all our job to do is to lay it on the altar because there's, there's a time, and I've been there whenever I'm asked, so who are you going to serve? And right there, you see what happened with Israel. So, Lord, let that happen in our hearts. Pastor, I'm going to turn it back over to you if that's all right. And that is what's on my heart for, for us, for me, for the men of, of God, that, that we would 
get and understand those perfecting times because I think in understanding those moments and understanding the hard moments and understanding the dry moments that what the devil meant for evil God always turns it around for good and you'll look back you can't look forward and see exactly how God's going to move but you'll look back and say I know that was the Lord amen amen God bless you church we love you Ironically, Brother Todd Brown texted me Monday and wanted to meet after Acts, and I know it was bad weather here, and I said, I'm sorry, I'm in Midland or Odessa or wherever we were, and I said, I'll meet you before church. And we talked tonight about, you can call it a sanctification process, a cleansing process, a, a trying time and putting the faith into action faith without works is what <clears throat> it's easy for me to say I have faith God's going to see me through until the stores or shelves are empty <laughs> you know until all of a sudden you're preaching to Muppets or puppets or whatever it is. Huh? Oh, it's easy. It's easier, you know. To... <clears throat> My wife, we came in today, and I don't want to steal her thunder, but I, because she came out preaching to me. We came in, we flew in, and they, uh, <clears throat> she was going to get the stitches out of her mouth. And they were supposed to come out Monday, but we couldn't go Monday because we were going to Texas. And so we flew in. They said, well, she could come in. And they took them out. And she had had surgical work done on her gums, and they had to take skin out of the top of her mouth and put down here because her gums were receding. So she began to talk to the doctor. She said, how do you do this? How do you do this skin graft? And um, what did he tell you? You want to tell him? He said, the key to a skin graft is that the place you're grafting it and the skin that you're grafting on it both have to be bleeding at the same time because if they're both bleeding when those the blood touches immediately it begins to grow together instantaneously and we sing to be like Jesus and oh I see a crimson stream of blood but I don't want to bleed I don't want to suffer anything. I don't want to have a drought. I don't want to have a time when my faith is tried. But guess what? It's when my faith is tried that if I will reach out and embrace his presence and I will answer the question, who will you serve? Are you, I, will, I would rather go down walking to you I would rather still serve the Lord 
And if the drought takes us away, and if fire doesn't fall, I would wrap. All of a sudden, that blood, my blood, and his blood, it begins to transform me to be like Jesus. How on earth I long to be like Jesus. Sometimes I've got to be willing to say, Lord, trim off the areas that are, you see, burn them out. Get rid of them. Help me. I need to grow. She came out saying, hallelujah. I learned about the blood today. So she started preaching. I said, you haven't had enough church for the last three days? Preached all the way home. <clears throat> but you know, when you, when you see and you hear, as Brother Matt said, and I, all of that, I, I do appreciate. And, and we, you know, the, the, the awesome thing about it is the Lord is not ashamed of us as we're going through that drought process, that cutting process. He's perfecting us. Aren't you thankful for the perfecting hand of the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will never leave us. we got to just keep making that daily choice. I'm going to serve him. Let's stand.